And hello, everybody. Welcome to The Insiders on Real Estate and Marketing, Episode 9. And I'm Sandy Hibbard. This is my co-host, Troy Olson. And today we have a very special guest, a dear friend of mine, Mr. Mark Miller, President of Secured Title of Texas. And we're super excited to be here in Studio A. So we've got a little bit of a different setting here today. Um, But lots of notes and lots of good information. So the table setting is good. We're going to have a conversation about... um, Oh, goodness, cybersecurity, the title industry, um, how to market around safety for your clients. We're going to talk about the boom in refinance and so much more. But first, Troy, let me just touch base with you and see how are all those listings doing? They're good. They're uh, they're moving. Yeah. So, yeah, we popped a couple of them first showing, which Mm -hmm. uh, which was good. And we've got more coming. Uh, Things were so right after Labor Day, kids going back to school, adjusting. But then the week right after that it was just another you know big explosion right. uh, so. with, with the kids being at home with this new school year kind of a strange thing how have you seen that affect the home buying situation yeah just the timing you know mm-hmm. just trying to coordinate you know their schedules with their work schedules with their kids schedules any activities that they're involved in still all the chores that got to be done uh so and then with a the limited you know supply of inventory mm-hmm. there was a lot of going out and looking at one or two homes uh, at a time with multiple different buyers. But that's what you have to do uh, in this day and age. It's a crazy time. What I've been hearing from my clients is the the, the craziness of all the listings right now. Um, some of the reports I've been reading from Steve Brown, uh, Dallas Morning News, uh, talking about the influx in refinance, the influx in uh, new builds actually is starting to heat up a little bit. Right. So hopefully that's going to help with the inventory problem that we have right now. Yeah, I think the biggest challenge that lumber uh, or that builders are facing, lumber went up was at 40% mark like three weeks ago. And, mm-hmm. and that literally is, of course, going to get passed down, uh, you know, right to the consumer. So if you were looking oh, at I read that. if you were looking at new construction and you come back two weeks later and you have a monumental price increase, you know, it's not because, you know, they felt <laughs> like it. It's because of lumber uh, specifically. Well, that's what they always say. that It's going to be passed on to the consumer, but the market um, spins it to say, oh, don't worry about it. You're still going to be able to afford it because we're lowering the mortgage rates. Yeah, but interest rates being down as yeah. low as they are. Yeah, right. but still the prices are yeah. crazy. I still, have, I still think we're going to be, this is going to be more than one way the out-of-cycle year, mm-hmm. which in our business, the cycle usually starts to trail off in the fourth quarter. And I just have a sense that we're going to press right through this fourth quarter and really have high activity yeah. uh, because of the stall that we had when COVID first hit. Mm-hmm. We've talked yeah. about that, haven't we? Yeah. In fact, I think we predicted a couple of months ago that this next 45 days was going to be crazy. Mm-hmm. And then one of my clients did a video this week saying, is fall the new spring? Uh, so, you know, lots of talk going on about the craziness in the market. Um, but I want to get down to some nitty gritty here today, uh, the business side. And so, Mark, it's such a pleasure to have you here. It's good to be together. Again. We go back a long way. <laughs> um, so Mark is president. He's taken on a, a, a new role, uh, president of Secured Title of Texas. Um, I worked with Mark, and I think I've even mentioned him a couple of times whenever uh, we've had past episodes about uh, starting being baptized by fire in the real estate business when I bought my company, Lyric Marketing. And Mark was the clergyman who baptized me <laughs> <laughs> with fire into real estate yeah, marketing. Yeah, we did some great things. Oh, we did. Yeah. I mean, we have done some tremendous things. Back back before, you know, we had Facebook, we were doing billboards, we were doing... We, were, we did uh, Inside Real Estate in the uh, yeah. Plano Star Courier. We had an oh, article every week that we did yeah, on that. Yeah. yeah. 
I used to push to get uh, real estate agents featured in newspapers. It's like, that just seems so old yeah. to me right now. It's crazy, crazy time. Well, anyway, so Mark is here. And without further ado, I want to get he and Troy involved in some conversations about some very important things that we're going to talk about. Um, it's hard it's hard to have you here and not want to pick your brain about everything because your title experience goes for 20 years as far as what I've known you. And 40, I'm sure it goes deeper than that. 43. This is my 43rd year. Wow. That's a few cycles. That's a few cycles. Yeah. You've seen some real estate agents come and go, I'm I sure. I have. Yeah. yeah. Well, so briefly, give us a picture of what impact, and we've talked about COVID, and I don't want us to hover over COVID yeah. too much today, but but give us from your standpoint what kind of an impact you've seen in the real estate market here in Dallas that COVID has had. Well, certainly it uh, put everything to a screeching halt initially. Oh, yeah. And then everybody started to panic about how are we going to do a closing. Uh, the interesting thing is there was a major legislative push nationwide to get what is referred to as RON, which is Remote Online Notary. Mm -hmm. And they blitzed it through the system to get it approved. What wow. they didn't anticipate with that is that the majority of lenders do not accept remote online notary oh, closings. Oh, that's true. Have you done any online closings? So we had one uh, where I was representing a seller, and that's how the buyer signed. But even as recent as two days ago, I had a buyer closing, and the email from the title company was, unless you are signing, you are not here. Correct. So, so how did they work that through? Well, they went back to what we've been doing in the old days, of uh, which was really the refinance boom, and, the re and it transitioned from using notaries, mm -hmm. actual notaries, to go to homes, and they went and they adjusted to drive-by closings. So you'd pull up front, the escrow officer comes out with their mask on. Unbelievable. They do the signing, uh, you know, notarized documents, and get it closed. Mm -hmm. um, the interesting thing is that that there's certain companies, and it's it's more the national platform, but I'll give you an example under the Fidelity family, uh, and we represent Fidelity as one of our underwriters, mm -hmm. but they have their offices still locked down. You cannot walk inside of a branch office. Uh, you have to make arrangements to either notary close or to close with a drive-up to that side. I opened my offices two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we just do exercise. That's so interesting when other things that don't seem so necessary have opened. Yeah. Yeah, so we do a sanit sanitize just like we did in this room, mm -hmm. and uh, people come in with their mask on, and we close them at the table, uh, and it's working just fine. And then we sanitize again, waiting for the next yeah, next right. closing to come. But certainly, if you look at the purchase side of our industry, uh, the closing experience is really important because uh, I think it also establishes kind of the fun final relationship that you've had through that process, mm -hmm. and that's really a real heavy referral opportunity for the realtor mm -hmm. uh and so i i miss that side of it because that is a celebration if you will it is it is uh, I can and that see that. final opportunity to really interact with those people before they go into their new home or the seller sells and mm -hmm. moves so i think that's that little loss of relationship touch mm -hmm. we've had to go to this technology side has certainly I think, been challenging. i think we're seeing that across the board we are i mean as mark said you know that's our last chance to dance with them and when you know they're sitting in their car and the person signing them is wearing a hazmat suit, and then you see a picture, <laughs> you see a you see a picture on Facebook from the title company or whatever. It's like, well, that was my client, but it doesn't look like I right. was involved because I was not allowed to be part of that. I mean, yeah, mm -hmm. I could sit in the car 
you know, next car over. But it just, yes, it did absolutely yeah. take away from, you know, we all want to showcase that and, and share do. that moment with them. And, and we just, we weren't able to do that this summer. Well, we're hearing a lot about uh, the rent and mortgage payment delays due to COVID. Mm -hmm. And so much talk and chatter about what's going to happen. You know, are these poor people going to all be bankrupt three years from now when, right. when someone says you yeah. owe us a million dollars? What's going on with that? Talk about that with us. Steve. Well, I mean, statistically, you look at it and there's uh, three, almost four million people that are not making payments on their mortgages. Uh, so you can't continue to just defer the payment. Uh, the, the forbearance agreement somewhere has to come to a conclusion. Uh, I think that probably some people may have been at risk when they went into a forbearance agreement, not mm -hmm. realizing what the lender's criteria was going to be. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's two things I think are challenging that. And one is, did you get to push the payment to the principal that you can use as a payoff? Or are you going to be responsible at the end of the forbearance agreement to make the payment? And mm -hmm. that's going to be a makeup payment, by the mm -hmm. way, of a lump sum. People, I mean, that's going to put people in a really bad situation. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's going to be a, a real challenge. The second thing mm -hmm. is you should be confirming with that lender you're going into forbearance. And there may be people today that haven't gone in mm -hmm. uh, that you want to make sure that there's not credit reporting mm -hmm. associated with that forbearance agreement. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so you need to be protected in that side. So now all of a sudden you're not reporting delinquencies mm -hmm. and now affecting your credit score as well. So, so basically so, what you're saying is that they're going to pack it on the back end of the uh, note. Yes. So I'm a homeowner. Bank. I've missed six months of payment. I'm not going to be, uh, hopefully, I'm not going to have a bad credit report because of that. Hopefully, right. I'm not going to get kicked out of my house yep. for that. And then the mortgage company will just add that to the back end of my loan. Right. Exactly. Do you think they'll increase payments, though? Uh, that's always going to be a possibility to that mm -hmm. side. But <clears throat> I think, as has been our experience so far, and particularly in Texas, is that the, those payments increases are associated with the increase of real estate taxes. So not only have you got the forbearance issue, but you've got it you know, a hugely accelerated uh, appreciation and now taxation on property. And what I'm seeing in the national circle that, that comes into focus in Texas is that there's companies that are already forming their default strategies out there that are in the large mortgage servicers. Mm -hmm. And so what they're doing is they're coming into these spaces and they're trying to create a title company solution to their mortgage servicing, which is the asset management side moving it into pre-foreclosure notices and foreclosure. So they're lining up, and, and then outside of that circle is the capital market. And, and Wall Street is lining up with billions of dollars in capital. And part of this new strategy in the commercial side, which I think will impact residential, is that they're going to be looking to buy portfolios of property. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's two strategies to that. One is a normal portfolio of just buying a portfolio of notes, Mm -hmm. uh, but the other one is that strategy of getting tenants into homes and then buying portfolios of 100, 200, or 300 homes that have tenants in that portfolio, and that's going to become a new commercial trade mm -hmm. uh, in our industry. I know you're going to talk about this later, so if I'm stepping on that, we'll just, we can move on to something else. But how does all of that affect the local title agency that are ran by a group of attorneys or something that doesn't have all the funds that come from a national underwriter. Yeah, you're, you're going to be at the outsider looking in. Now, the other side of that is that type of business compresses into a title operation, and it becomes the same thing. It's churning and notary close and no closing experience. Uh, and so I think it's almost to our advantage because we have the opportunity to be more relationship, local market driven Absolutely, yeah. than we have to be on the national side. Yeah. I think the other thing interesting with this is that as much as we talk about the mortgage forbearance, we've also got the tenant 
who's getting rent forbearance. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's certain prove ups that that tenant has to do, but that just came effective September 4th mm -hmm. and runs okay. till December 31st. So you have to go through a prove up in essence that you're not capable of making the rent payment. And if you do that under what is required by the government, they don't have to make a payment on rent. So now I'm an investor okay, okay. and I've got that property. And now between September 4th and December 31st, if they meet the criteria, I can't force them to you pay get it, And rent. you don't get any money. I can't evict them. I can't do any actionable thing in order to deal with that asset mm -hmm. other than if I decide to sell it, then I am given the right to show that property mm -hmm. under that under certain circumstances. Wow. So we've got an investor market sitting mm -hmm. out here that usually own, you know, maybe a small one or three or less than that or a little bit more than that homes. And now all of a sudden their cash flow mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is being affected because that was part of their strategy for their yeah. income. It's just like a, an octopus tentacles. It it's is. just reaching it's, yeah, everywhere. It's just wrapping around everything. Wow. Yeah. wow. Uh, but strangely enough, the market, as Troy was pointing out, is mm -hmm. strong right now. It I mean, is. it's a good it market. Is. Thank it goodness what for some low the, interest yeah, rates. What are the, and what are some of the reasons why? Well, I think it's, again, there's lack of inventory. So people mm -hmm. are bidding high on, on what is available and they're not, you know, not asking a lot of questions. It's, you know, there's two options and that one's already gone. So I got to buy this one. Nothing's really changed, I think, in the credit side of it. Uh, and, and, you know, I mean, if you've got the lower the interest rates has dropped two, three basis points, buy a lot more house mm -hmm. than yeah. you could before as well. Oh, absolutely. So I mean, it may, it may be come over in a little bit more into that affordability category yeah. that they wouldn't have had prior to. And maybe that kept them at a $200,000 home or below. Mm -hmm. Now maybe they can get in a little bit higher mm -hmm. price point with that mm -hmm. lower mortgage mm -hmm. payment. You know, talking yeah. about, you know, how has it impacted us, you know, because of all the refinance that's mm -hmm. going on, we've seen, you know, a shortage of appraisers uh, because, oh. you know, when people buy homes, the home's got to be appraised. Right. When they refi, they got to be appraised. And when there's that many refinances going on, that's still got to get done. It, you know, it bogs down the pipeline mm -hmm. and, you know, the days of we can close this in 30 days. We've had to do a, a couple extensions just because of a shortage, um, you know, of appraisers. So they're taking That's longer. interesting. So, you know, we're looking at, you know, a 35, you know, an extra week, you mm -hmm. know, one, one more one more working week of, mm -hmm. of when we make offers mm -hmm. or when we get offers on our listings. Right. The interesting thing is when COVID came to play and the market tipped, yep. if the mortgage rates had not dropped and the refinance boom occurred, there would be a lot of title companies out of business right now. Right. It propped up the title insurance industry. But on the other side of that, because of the massive amount of refinancing, what happened to many of the title companies, and those are more nationally owned, I'll say that, is that they went to a, a second strategy for produce, production of the title commitment, and they started going offshore. And when you go to offshore into India, you're not dealing with the same examiner who's Whoa. local, like I have a local examination uh, plant, mm -hmm. and my, my examiners are familiar with the turf here. Mm -hmm. What happens then is that product that starts coming back is not an accurate product. Yeah, so that seems can, odd to me yeah. that, that people from overseas would be handling stuff that has to do with land yeah. transactions. Well, and this here. is it's this is not new. It's not. It's just not been a major factor yeah. except for this COVID. So what ends up happening in this example of a client that called me, uh, would had closed with a major underwriter. They didn't make the closing because they shipped, went offshore, title commitment came back, they moved to close, they get to the closing table, they put the seller's affidavit of debts and liens in front of the mm -hmm. seller and he refuses to sign it, thus disclosing that he has a federal tax lien. And the federal tax lien was not picked up in the examination 
and the wife sitting next to him had no idea about the federal tax lien. So all hell broke loose in that scenario. And so it's all of a sudden where title plants were not as big a factor Mm -hmm. because it was a local production, it's now becoming more of a significant concern uh, for realtors that are out there selling because there's a complete loss of quality of the examination process and the product uh, Mm -hmm. that comes out of that. So Mm -hmm. that's one of the, certainly one of the challenges from uh, the offshore solution, if you will. And one of the benefits of staying local. Absolutely, yeah. So wow. we, we serve local. We don't do national business. We do the business that's in our marketplace mm-hmm. to that side, and we can respond well to that mm-hmm. side of it. So it, it sounded like a good solution if you have the right quality uh, control, but in sure. this case, they're not getting good quality control, and it's, it's putting a stress, additional stress out mm-hmm. there in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. How do you know that? I mean, as a uh, home buyer, as a realtor, and I'm working with a new title company or I'm working with a new realtor who's referring a new title company. I don't know anything about title companies as a consumer, as a homeowner. How can I be sure that all that stuff that I'm giving is safe and secure and not going to be turned into cybercrime on me? Right. Well, there's a couple of things. And part of it is prudence, which is not the natural course of our industry as it relates to the clients we serve. And to me, prudence is if you get put into a situation where you don't get to select the title company, and let's say that's most of the time when you're representing the buyer, and seller has a preference, and you don't recognize the brand of that company, and a lot of times it may be because you're out of your local market Mm -hmm. too, then the most important thing you can do is ask two questions to that uh, title company. Number one is, who are the underwriters that you represent? There you go, yeah. Because the title title underwriters will tell you a lot about the title agency. If the title, if the agency does not give you one of the top four in their makeup of their representation, then that says a lot about the quality of the title company. What are those four? That would be First American, the Fidelity Family, Stewart Title, and Old Republic Title. You like the big guys. Those are the big guys. Those are those are a prime, a double prime paper. They're vetted. They have capabilities. Mm-hmm. That means uh, your money's safe. That means your money. That's a, if you have that as an independent agent, that's your good housekeeping seal of right. approval to that right, side. Right. The second question I would ask in today's world, in that same environment, is I would ask for uh, a copy of your cybercrime insurance policy because it's available out there but not required. So why would you want to have that? Well, what happens if you're with a local agent that is, maybe it's a single shop, and now you have the penetration of a cybercrime and you just sent $190,000 to Hong Kong? How are you going to fulfill the funding of that transaction mm-hmm. if the 190000 just went out the door. Mm-hmm. It's not covered that's under... That's scary. That's, it is. That's real that's huge real, money. It's real stuff. Oh, yeah. uh, and it's not covered under what we refer to as an insured closing letter. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's more to fraud mm-hmm. of the agent, mm-hmm. not of the experience. Mm-hmm. So we need to be asking a different set of questions when we're out here in this marketplace. Mm-hmm. And it's a simple way to make a determination. If I've got the buyer and they tell me that... We, we have old Republic title. I'm going to request that title commitment mm-hmm. The reason and policy. And the reason is in Texas, everyone as an independent agent remits the same amount of premium to the underwriter. Mm-hmm. So you don't get any benefit between checking this underwriter or that underwriter. Mm-hmm. And I'd want one that has statutory premium reserves of a billion plus mm-hmm. versus five million. Mm-hmm. 
It's oh, a significant yeah. difference in claims to paying capability. Yeah. So that's a question that the industry typically has not asked, but it's something that probably becomes more imperative mm -hmm. uh, in the future. As this you is such important information. You know, it, it makes me remember back to all the marketing that my company has done for you mm -hmm. and your various title uh, hats that you've worn. Um, how important it is for the consumer to be a little bit educated about title, yeah. you know, and even though they don't always go in saying, oh, I want, you know, XYZ title company, it's the realtor that's driving that. But I think the consumer needs to be educated about that as well as realtors. I think well, that needs to be something. And for the realtors who, who watch this and follow this, I mean, that's as valuable uh, of information I think that we've ever had on the show. Is Absolutely it is. You need to know who you are in business with. Yeah. Um, because like I said, your real estate client is is trusting and depending you as That's an right. agent that yeah. you know you've got good partners and allies to protect you and i think your your line of defense you're representing that buyer if you do take that one step and you do make sure that you at least get there because they're going to have the property going forward and they're going to have to deal with what might ever be a claim mm -hmm. if you do that one step and you put them with a good title insurance underwriting company you've done your due diligence and you've placed them uh, as your fiduciary responsibility with a solid company that will be there in the event they ever had a claim on their property. So let's make it really easy for realtors that are watching us today. What are, let's say, the top two or three things that you would recommend that a realtor inquire about a title company I would, or a consumer for that Well, the, th the three things I would ask for is I would ask for a confirmation of their E&O insurance. Okay. I'd ask them if they have cybercrime insurance. And then I would ask them for who their title insurance underwriter representation one of those might four. be. Yeah. If, and, and they may have only one underwriter. That's a red flag. Ah. If they've got up to three underwriters, that's probably a little better. If one of those three is a national underwriter recognized mm -hmm. in the industry, that's probably a plus plus. Mm -hmm. So it's just doing a little bit of inquiry. And I've always told all my clients, if you get out there and get into a that feel where you don't know, ask the mm -hmm. question. And if you're not sure which policy to recommend, call me. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you which policy to recommend. Absolutely. And, you know, here in Dallas, there are a lot of really good title people. That's great. I've worked with them for 20 great. years with yes. Mark. And I think that, you know, staying with the known names is really important. important. Um, don't go with those little small shops that just popped up or right. something. So right. I think that's really, really important is to stay with the known names. I know, Troy, that you've experienced some cyber crime stuff. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a second. So, I mean, in, in 15 years of doing real estate, a um, lot of transactions, you know, it had never happened. Mm -hmm. And it actually happened to one of my own team members on her own personal real estate transaction. Oh, wow. And it was, um, the situation was, um, the escrow officer took an email from somebody that said, hey, I want my net proceeds to go here. Well, Mark, you've been entitled a long time. You know you do not take wire instructions Absolutely off not. of an email. Absolutely not. And the email address was created to make it look like it was oh coming gosh. from either me or my, my domain name. Mm -hmm. And it was a closing on a Tuesday. And she called me on a Thursday morning and said, is it odd that the money hasn't hit my account yet. I said, absolutely, Whoa. something is wrong. <clears throat> and um, I mean, I remember exactly the day. It was, it was ironically, it was on my birthday. I was at Coit and George Bush, and I said, what's the title company? And I called the title company, and I won't get into the details of that conversation uh, on this show because it was ugly between me and them. 
And, you know, their response was, calm down, this happens all the time. No, it no, doesn't. It <laughs> and it was about $65,000 yeah. that was gone. It'd be so and terrifying. There is, a, there is a protocol for title companies on what they are to do and not do. Yeah. What happens is that these criminals understand when to penetrate at the highest level of volume of closings in a month. Because you get an office that's a very successful office, they may be closing 20 or 30 deals a day mm -hmm. toward the end. And so they know when the volume is and the lack of attention, mm -hmm. and they know when to slip in to oh, that side. Real. So, uh, and I've had that exact same experience with an employee at a prior company. Uh, got the change of instructions. My seller wants you to send it to this way. She wired out $190,000. Hong Kong said, thank you very much. The money was gone. <laughs> so what happens in a situation like that? Well, in this particular case, the company I was with happened to be a subsidiary of a bank. So okay. we, we, I called the bank and said, I need $190,000 wired in. So that's that capability. Yeah. I knew I had a, a, a $8 billion bank there in this go. relationship. Yeah. I knew the money was going to be there. They weren't real happy, mm -hmm. <laughs> but we were able to, to satisfy right. that scenario. Now, with your team member, what happened to their sixty-five grand? How, did Basically, they have to wait? I went to the title company, and the person that took that email left before I got there because they knew I was coming in real hot. I mean, I was protecting my own, and I said, I am not leaving until that money is in her account. And it was, we have to get with our corporate office in Charlotte, and this is going to take some time. And, and I mean, she got her money back, um, but it wow. was it was very nerve-wracking. Not because good. It, no. Yeah. Like I said, something that just should not have happened, yeah. but it did. So, yeah. like I said, in 15 years, it happened one time, but it was under my watch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, that's something I've never thought about. In all the years I've worked with child, never even thought about someone well, taking my money and putting it in the wrong The strangest thing place. is kind of where the process starts. And what they've learned to do <clears throat> is they've learned to follow listings mm -hmm. on the on the sites where you post out a listing. Because what do you provide when you post out the listing? Your contact information yeah. and your email. Yeah. Once they have your email, then they can figure out how to get inside. And now they start to track mm -hmm. your activity. Mm -hmm. And they know when to anticipate when you're moving toward a closing. Mm -hmm. Or that you went under contract and you're going to wire the money in mm -hmm. for your earnest money yeah. mm -hmm. side. So they've got that level, and then they know how to wrap around and get on the title company side. Mm -hmm. So what they'll do then is they'll give instructions to the buyer, thinking they're communicating with the title company, saying, "Send your here's your wire instructions, send it to, and they wire in, and the same thing happens. Well, I had it happen in a commercial transaction where they penetrated into the title company side, and the buyer uh, wired $1 million dollars into uh, BBVA, BBVA already had the count noted as suspicious. And when the money hit, they locked it down. So they caught the people. They caught it. And so the money, the money. I wonder was, how much of that, how much money in cybercrime in real estate doesn't get tracked back. Billions. This is a, this is a major, major issue within the, the industry. Yeah, I mean, and people it's just stay local, get, stay yeah, local. It's just going to get more and more, it's just going to get worse. I yeah. mean, that's the There's that no, smart on the other end. They are, they the really sophistication are. will just continue. So we've got to be more alert. We've got to follow our protocols. Mm -hmm. We've got to communicate. And the other thing is they count on, they count on that our industry has moved more to text and email communication than mm -hmm. verbal communication. Mm -hmm. And verbal communication is the way in those situations, someone should have picked up the phone and said, Mr. Uh, seller, did you request to have your account uh, changed from what you assigned oh, at the closing? Yes. And Mr. Seller would have said, I did not. Verify that. And verify. 
So that's what is, has to happen, verification. It's not about encrypting. It's about verbal verification yeah, yeah. Of, of what's going on out there. So, uh, so that whole process is, you know, and sellers shouldn't be wiring their or uh, uh, emailing their information for their accounts mm -hmm. to the title company. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, there's a lot of don't do's that are probably are common sense. It's mm -hmm. just we don't think about mm -hmm. in a suspicious way that mm -hmm. somebody's watching that transaction. Mm -hmm. But they are. Yeah. Uh, I mean, everyone's pretty lax about what we share uh, across technology <clears throat> until something happens like right. this, until our uh, identity is compromised or whatever. Right. And then we start realizing how many gaps we've yeah. left open. Well, you know, the other thing they like to do, they like to hang, hang out at Starbucks and wait for you to go to the public domain. And then they pull your pull your Wi-Fi right off of that and start yeah. getting right into your yeah. system of checking to see who you're communicating yeah. with. So, you know, I learned that when I lived in New York City because they have public Wi-Fi. You can go down to the promenade, sit on the water, and <clears throat> there's Wi-Fi. And a friend of mine that lived there that was also a partner that I worked with said, you know, whatever you do here in New York, don't use the public Wi-Fi. And I was like, well, why? I mean, right. and, and he told me, but that makes perfect sense yeah. because it just opens the gateway. And then some of the newer things that are happening too out there is that these criminals are using Indeed. Indeed sort of become the uh, go-to for resumes. And so they oh. penetrate through that side and they hire people for sending in false resumes. And they think they got a great credential person. They hire them and now they're inside the company and now they go get to the checks. <laughs> and once they find the checks, then they start replicating those checks. And then they put their scheme together with those checks and I've seen this happen numerous times in the title insurance industry. All it takes is one check and they start replicating, they do their scheme, mm -hmm. and then they send those checks mm -hmm. out to people that think, whatever you've signed up for, mm -hmm. here's $5,000 mm -hmm. uh, as part of your sign-on, and uh, but be sure and send us back 2000 for the equipment we're gonna send you. So they <laughs> deposit the check, send 2000 to this space, and they just lost $2,000 yeah. because the check's not honored. Next thing you know, the title company's getting a call about this check and it's a fraudulent check that's been so, replicated. Doing business eyeball to eyeball. Absolutely. You know, I mean, that probably dates <laughs> me, but I still think, and there was a, a boss I had years ago in corporate and he said, you've not communicated until you've communicated. Mm -hmm. And at first I didn't get it, but as I've gotten older, I realized, man, he's so right on, you know, we can send emails, we send texts, we post our videos, we post our things on social media and never really communicate with that person that we need to solidify <laughs> um, what it is that we're trying to transact. And right. so I think that that's really important for realtors, for title, right? Eyeball to eyeball, at least to have that connection that's real. This, this is not a business for shortcuts. No. It's really it's, not. It's the, pro really not. the proper processes and accounting protocol are all in place. It's just a matter of how that employee follows that protocol properly. And they're and, in place for a reason. Right, absolutely. And then you get into the challenges of... Uh, a seasoned escrow officer uh -huh. versus a newbie, mm -hmm. a seasoned escrow assistant versus mm -hmm. a newbie. Mm -hmm. They don't have that ex experience of mm -hmm. 20 years, 30 years. They could recognize a fraudulent effort in nothing flat. I'm about to implement, Very a, good I'm about to implement a fraud detection program in my company for, for bonus related. Oh, that's good. If you pick up on a fraudulent process in title or an escrow, I'm, I'm going to pay you a thank you fee because <laughs> you probably just saved us a tremendous amount of money yeah, yeah. on a bigger picture of That's that. Great. That's great. And you know, great. if you do that with just a little bit of incentive, yeah. 
uh, it's, you'd be surprised how much more focused everyone will be and more suspicious Mm-hmm. than accepting to mm-hmm. that side. I think that's good. That's secured title of Texas. That's it. Well, guys, this has been interesting and certainly has given me some good information that I think I can use in my marketing to realtors because I think it's very important for them to uh, know these pitfalls, be aware of them so that they can be a true guide for the person that's buying a home. Um, to wind up the show, I want to go through our three takeaways like we always do. And uh, this is easy for you to take and say, okay, these are three most important things that I need to think about about this show. So, Troy, why don't you take it off? So the first thing is, you know, cybercrime is real. You know, replay that section, you know, when Mark talked about, you know, how to avoid it and, and who to make sure you are, are in business with. Um, you know, we all know that 2020, you know, mentally has been a long year. I was talking to an agent yesterday and, you know, they were frustrated and they said, well, this year's basically over. So we'll start planning for next year. There's three and a half months left in this year. It right. is not over. It's not over. And you, know, you got to oh. stay dialed in and you, you got to finish you strong. What do they say? It's not how you start. It's how you finish. Yep. Uh, and finally, just, you know, be professional and be compassionate because we don't know what's going on on the other side of the transaction. You know, That's a good point. Why are they buying that house? Why are they selling that house? Why are they moving? We know what's going on on our side. We don't know what's going on on their side. We don't know, you know, what they're going through. Mm-hmm. So just like I said, it's a small world in our industry, even though there's there's a lot of us doing it. So, you know, be, com- be compassionate, uh, you know, with your day-to-day business. Good takeaways. Mark? I would say... The next level is for realtors to ask more questions of the title company that they end up having their escrow close with. And that's when they first set that escrow up Uh, because it's a natural, it's not a natural tendency to think like that. They just come in, what they're concerned about is receiving their earnest money, getting a copy of contract and they're on their way. Mm -hmm. Just a couple of questions asked is really, I think, imperative in this day's environment. Secondly, I really think it's important for the buyer and seller both to establish a direct contact with the escrow officer uh, ah. because there's there's two benefits to that. One is that now we know our now we have our direct line of communication, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I've never yet to see any situation where when you finally got to the closing table that a relationship had not been established between that buyer and seller because they may be working through circumstances of divorce, right. uh, federal like tax liens, those type of things. There's a lot of emotion involved mm-hmm. in that. Mm-hmm. And a good escrow officer can be a calming source for all parties to that transaction. That's a good point. Uh, and the last piece is be aware of the title insurance underwriters and get educated about what are the what are the top underwriters select from. Mm-hmm. And just learn a few things about what it is that makes a good title insurance policy because if that person buys that home and they don't turn the normal over in five or seven years and they live there for 20, they should have 20 years of assurance that that policy is going to be good in the event their property Absolutely. was ever challenged anyway. And the, the last thing I'd say is the rising thing to be concerned about is any transactions that you're involved in where there's airship involved. There is a lot of claims surfacing with airship. So you think you've got all the parties identified, you close the transaction, and two more pop up uh, that didn't know about the closing and found out, and now they're at the table saying, where's my, my where's third, my, my fourth? Oh, wow. And this is a new movement in the industry right now, and it's and it's also a fraud opportunity as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maybe that that's side. another show you it, come back It could be another about. show. So yeah. anyhow, what I'm going to do is, you know what I do, I start taking these platforms and start creating education, yep. and I'll, I'm putting together a cyber presentation. Uh, that I'll be taking out to the marketplace cool. with CE credit. 
It's fantastic. Uh, and that's some of the things that we're working on. We're, I've always been about education, uh, and I think that's the way that you help your clients mm -hmm. stay knowledgeable about what's happening out there in the marketplace. Super good. Um, my three takeaways, number one, stay local. And Mark, I want to take this moment to thank you for all the title work that you have done in this city in the 20 years that I've worked with you. And so uh, why don't you tell everybody how they can reach you? What's the best way, text or email? Or uh, email is mmiller at securedtitletx.com. My cell phone is 214-384-4200. You could call me anytime when you had a question associated with some of the topics that we've talked about here out of that side. And our website is securedtitletx.com. So you can see where we're located, a little bit about us. Uh, and we're not uh, only Texas. We're a national independent company. We're in the top five nationally. Cool. Uh, and so we've, I've got a very large financial structure behind us. Mm -hmm. And that was imperative for me to make this decision to yeah. come on board with Secure. Yeah. So, Mark Miller, I mean, be sure that if you have any title questions, look him up. He's a great guy to know. Thank you for being here today. My pleasure. Um, my takeaways are stay local, be compassionate, realtors, and market yourself authentically, market yourself personally. When I choose a realtor, I choose them because we have connected in some way, and I feel like that that they're my sister friend or my brother friend. There's somebody that I can uh, talk to about financial concerns, financial situations that might make me worry if I can get a house or not, or things that like the guys have said, you're going through a divorce or something's happened in your life personally. So I think that for a realtor to market on that personal level and it not just be about your designations and it's not just about closings, it's not just about a just listed, but it's about you personally, about taking the time to get in front of the camera, like we've talked about in the last episode, and uh, share thoughts about a house, share thoughts about a community that you're in or whatever. I think that's really super important. Be compassionate market authentically, and stay local. And I think with those things, guys, uh, we're, we've got some of the best real estate people in the country right here in Dallas, Fort Worth. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. I appreciate Mark being here. It's been great getting all the information from you and Troy, my sidekick. I hope that you'll tune in with us next month. Ciao. Take care. Be safe.